Well, we have a very special guest here on our, our very actual first interview on reconsinimation. I am John Diner, and I am sitting down with Kimberly Beck from Friday the 13th, the final chapter, and many other projects. So, Kimberly, welcome to the show, and thank you for sitting down with me. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thank yeah, you. Great. Yeah, great to have you, and thank you for taking the time with us today. And uh, being that tomorrow is uh, Friday the 13th, of course, we always uh, track the Friday the 13th films on, on each of those, we call it holidays on the show. So uh, we're going to cover the final chapter this week, and, uh, and it'd be great to kind of get your take on it. But talk about your career and kind of what, what uh, led up to that and what you've been up to since and what you're doing now. So, um, yeah, great. Um, yeah, so Friday the 13th, like... Uh, like about three weeks later is always really good because I get the residual checks. <laughs> <laughs> they play, they play the hell out of that movie. They do. I mean, AMC runs it. It's kind of amazing that the life that that franchise took and and that particular one. I mean, that's Friday the Thirteenth. The final chapter is is my personal favorite. Oh, that's so nice. It's the only one I've ever seen, so I don't know. <laughs> really interesting. Okay. All right, I, cool. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never um, seen it. I, they're just, they scare me. I'm such a baby. Even to this day, it does. Totally. Even though I know everything now that goes on and how they do everything, it's still, I get very uncomfortable. Like, I, if you watch Jason, my husband, and Miles, my son, and Dylan, my other son, they know me so well that whenever things get tense in a movie, I have to get up. I just, I, I feel in some way manipulated emotionally and it makes me mad. And I'm like, I gotta go. I have to walk into the other room and I'll come back when this is over. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have what it takes to sit through it. I guess they're doing their job then. Yeah, no, I'm super sensitive to that. What are we watching right now? Oh, Raised by Wolves. Have you seen Oh that? yeah. How is I haven't I haven't checked that out yet. It's sort of an amazing really amazing show. It's really kind of brilliant. It's bizarre, but it's it's one of those that I've gotten up and left a couple times. Yeah. The visuals look pretty amazing and and I think that's Ridley Scott is involved with that. So Yeah, it's beautiful. He directed it. Did he direct it? That's what, eight, eight episodes or something? Yeah, maybe not all of them, but... Right, the pilot, probably. I mean, just the credits, the, the beginning credits. Uh, isn't that what it's called? Not the credits. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, it's so beautiful. It's weirdly seems spiritual, and I, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of that show, uh, they, um, the one where they had the dance the the like movement what was that with oh the OA yeah yeah didn't you guys do that did you I not? didn't do uh, the OA but our our dear friend Ami did so. yeah dear friend and sister <laughs> yeah <laughs> our mutual friend <laughs> um, but let's talk about uh, the you know how your career got started and and you were born into a, into a family and show business correct right my mom was an actress. Well, my grandmother, it's really like something like a Tennessee Williams uh, play. My grandmother was a tap dancer. 
Uh-huh. She, had her, she had her own dance studio in Pascagoula, Mississippi, and it was called Miss Irene's. <laughs> her name was Irene. And so she taught all these kids how to tap dance, and she taught my mom how to tap dance. And my mom was beautiful and is still as beautiful. And she was like, we're going to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, they, my, during, I guess, World War II, yeah, my mom was really young. She was born in 36. Anyway, she was, my grandmother would get up on stage with her at like USO, those, those you know, the uh, shows that they would do for the soldiers. Yeah. My, and they would say the fastest time step in the world is Cindy. And I don't know if she went by her maiden name, which was Robichaux then, but, or it was probably like little Cindy or something. Mm-hmm. And, and my mom would get up and do the time step as fast as she could. And my grandmother would have a giant clock and it, they would, it was, it's like something out of, I don't know, mommy dearest maybe or something, but my mom, it, and it's not an attractive thing to tap dance fast. It's like tap dancing has a rhythm to it. And right. it's, yeah, but my mom would get up and, <laughs> So they came to Hollywood and my mom was working all the time. And, um, and then she had me Mm -hmm. and they, I guess somebody saw me for my first job. I was two years old and I had very long blonde hair. I always had a lot of hair, you know, like for a a two year old, my hair was down to my waist. Mm -hmm. And, um, my first job was playing Jimmy Stewart's daughter in the FBI story. So that was your very first job? Yeah. Wow. I, wait, my first job was Jimmy Stewart's daughter or, wait, Torpedo Run was with Glenn Ford. I played his daughter. Right. That was my first job. My second job was whatever, was Jimmy Stewart. But whatever it is, there's a picture of me online. If you, <laughs> you just Google my name, and do Jimmy Stewart, and Jimmy Stewart's holding me, and I am hysterical. Scream. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was my first job because I remember I didn't work for a couple of years until I was four. Mm-hmm. I retired for a couple of years. <laughs> retired at two and back in at four. Yeah, it was. I was a has been. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So. Yeah, so I see you've got Marnie in your credits and yours, mine, and ours. And, you know, what was your experience like working with those? You know, there's a lot of heavyweights in those movies. Do, yeah. do you have any particular memories of working with those, with some of those people? I do. I actually do remember. I mean, I loved Albert Hitchcock. Mm. I would go see him after I shot them, the, after I did Marnie. I would go see him whenever I was at, he was at Universal. Right. And he had offices like right by where the makeup room was or the wardrobe department. And I remember going in and saying, I want to say hi to Mr. Hitchcock. It's Kimberly Beck. And I remember going in and saying hi to him, but he was a very sweet guy. I had done a commercial mm-hmm. and um, he saw it. And that's how he, he just hired me from that. Wow. Yeah, but I remember that my hair was too blonde and because the only blonde in the movie could be his lead woman. Right. So they dyed my hair darker, like a dark blonde. Uh-huh. 
And um, I don't, I mean, I remember thinking I, it was like some sort of rinse that they put in. Mm. And um, I, I remember that really well. And I remember how sweet he was to me. He would, I would sit on his lap. He would tell me funny stories. Like he said, um, he loved to listen to classical music when he fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And that he had uh, in his pillows, there were, I guess, radios. <laughs> and Whoa. he would listen because he didn't want to bother his wife. So in his pillow, and I remember thinking, like, that is so, like, you're so rich that you can have a radio in your pillow. <laughs> and not everybody has that. I guess you can now in a way, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I, but I, then it was like, yeah. wow, that's something. And he would listen to classical music as he fell asleep um, and not bother his wife. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't hear a lot of direct, you know, Hitchcock stories anymore. So that's, uh, yeah. it's amazing you had that experience with him and that it was, and it was a positive experience in general with him. Totally. I mean, he was very big and fat and he talked really slow. I remember all that, <laughs> but he was dear. He was very sweet and good to me. Mm-hmm. So he, he did not see, I guess he has had a reputation as maybe not being the nicest, but he, he certainly was to me. Yeah, it's, it's changed over the years. I mean, definitely the respect for his films has not, but the, uh, you know, his reputation about his relationship with, with I think, the leading ladies is, has, uh, has changed over the years. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, as, you know, as time goes on, we learn more and more about these things and, you know, I wasn't there, so uh, you were. Your your experience was positive, so that's you know that's good. Yeah, it was really good. I don't know what Tippi Hedren says. I've seen her. Yeah. You know, my husband cast Melanie in Stuart Little Two to play a bird, mm-hmm. and she was so she was so perfect. She has that kind of breathy voice. Right. Right. And Michael J. Fox was Stuart Little. And they sort of became friends that I, I don't remember exactly what the story was, but yeah. so we would go over to Melanie's house at that time. And, um, and it was really nice. I, I did see her mom. I have seen her mom mm-hmm. a couple of times, but yeah, it just, I honestly, I hear stories about people that had really hard times as children, you know, Mm-hmm. I was a lucky person in many ways, which I didn't necessarily think I was lucky at the time, but I was never a star. I was always a working actor. I worked and, you know, I did so many different things, but I never, I wasn't like Maureen McCormick, whom I've known my whole life. We did Barbie commercials together and, um, and I did Brady Bunch a couple of times, but you know, that's like, that's a whole different ball of wax. And I think, I think when kids get famous, it's really messed up, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult, uh, it's a difficult business for children. I think it's, it's really hard. I mean, I haven't done it, but, uh, you know, psychologically, I imagine that it's it's very hard to wrap your head around what's happening. And, you, you know, we've seen well, it. Yeah, you think, I, I think you're getting so much attention. I mean, Corey Feldman, uh, 
you know, so much attention and you don't have the inner structure psychologically to deal with, oh, this is kind of bullshit. It doesn't, not me. And then when it's taken away, you're always chasing that dragon. You know what I mean? And so you rob a a convenience store (laughs) or you, you know, like it's so, um, I think being a child actor is not a good thing at all. I think it, it, robs you of many, many things, mm-hmm. you know, like, especially someone like me who really does want people to love me. And I want to be, uh, and not popular, but I want to be loved. Yes. So, so you become a people pleaser mm-hmm. and you're not really pleasing anyone. And you certainly aren't pleasing yourself. So there's all kinds of things that damage, um, I think, your life, you know, by, by being in that sort of fake weird position. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's an incredibly hard position to be in. And I, I don't know how you could really understand everything that's happening and separate yourself totally from your characters. And you, you really need a really strong parenting structure and right to, to really help guide you emotionally through that. And, you know, I think working on, uh, as you know, when you work on a, a film production, you you get friendly with the crew and the cast and everyone becomes like a family and then that's over and that's gone. Yeah. No, it is the funniest thing because I've always loved everybody I've worked with. I've always had a great experience um, working in these film families, but it really doesn't last. It's yeah. sad. Yeah. And I still can't get used to that. You know, and then being with my husband on all the different sets that he's been on and with the different companies he's worked with, I get very attached and it's really hard for me because it's, it's kind of a, a phony, um, not phony for me, but it must be phony for all these other people. I get really attached. Well, it becomes temporary, you know, and, and it, that's the hard part. You know, I, I've been, I was on a show that went about six seasons and, and it was kind of like devastating when that ended. And then you just kind of have to walk away from almost everybody. Yeah. And you've invested so much time into friendships and you feel like you're a family. Yeah. And I think the really shallow friendships fall away, but I have retained some really nice, deep meaningful relationships mm-hmm. um, with the people that have ended up being just people of substance. Yeah. You know? And it's been, that part's been good. Uh, um, but yeah, it is definitely a, a strange uh, reality. Yeah. Well, and you, you had uh, an opportunity to work on so many of the, like the biggest shows through the sixties and seventies. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the Munsters, I Dream of Jeannie, Bonanza, Brady Bunch, My Three Sons, you know, that's just in the, the earliest part of your career. What was it like, what was your experience like working on television back then versus feature films? It wasn't really that different, except that when I'd go on to a set, like the Munsters, mm-hmm. I remember the Munsters I was so excited about. And um, I had like a crush on... Uh, Butch Patrick, who was Eddie. And um, I just remember showing up, it was at Universal, and it was lunchtime, so no one was there. And it was, my my grandmother used to take me to all my work 
situations. And um, I remember just being petrified because it was this dark set because all the lights were out. Everybody was at lunch mm-hmm. and there's spider webs everywhere and the creepy, the, you know, the sets were really creepy. Um, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so that, you know, when you go onto a movie set, you know, you know what you're getting into because you've seen it on TV. With a movie, you don't, and it sort of just blossoms or whatever. But right. I mean, the most fun I had as an actor, as a kid, was on Yours, Mine, and Ours. Because it went on forever. It mm-hmm. seemed like it was forever. And it was during the summer, so none of us really had to go to school. Oh, that's we great. Had, yeah, we just had restrictions on, um, you know, the hours that we could work. Right. But it was like, talk about a family. It was like really being in a family. It was yeah, yeah. And Henry Fonda was so nice. And Lucille Ball was not the nicest necessarily. She wasn't mean. She just didn't really care, you know, about the kids. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. And um, Van Johnson. Um, but all the kids, we all were really good friends. It was really fun. That's, that's great. So, yeah, that's a... That's, I- Jerry Getzman who runs Tom Hanks' company. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in it. And um, he was so much fun. It was, it was the summer that Sgt. Peppers came out. Or it was during that time. I don't know exactly when Sgt. Peppers was released, but we all were just singing those songs. And <laughs> I have such memories of being at um, the San Fernando Mission mm-hmm. in the movie when they got married, when Henry Fonda and... Uh, Lucille Ball got married. That's where we shot it. But that like went on for days and it was like 110 degrees out there. It was so yeah. fun. But we were playing, we were playing that music or hearing it on the radio. And we, you know, there's so much time in between shots. And being that we were all the kids, it was, you know, we'd sit around and talk and it was really fun. That's, that's uh, fantastic that you had that positive experience. It's good. It's really great to hear that, that, you know, so many of these, uh, you know, projects that you're involved with were all positive memories uh, as from coming from a child actor. Well, as a child actor too, I was just really grateful to have a fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm such a worker bee still, you know, when you're brought up working and that work is really I was, you know, under contract to Mattel. I did so many commercials. So whenever I wasn't doing that, I was doing Barbie, Chatty Cathy, mm-hmm. all of those, you know, I, I really, really worked quite a bit. Um, and I was just always happy when I got a job. Yeah. One of my dream as an adult was funny to certain people because I never wanted to be a star. I just didn't want to be a star. What I wanted to be was I wanted a job and I didn't like auditions and auditions to me felt like they weren't really representative of whatever work I could do because mm-hmm. you're, you're nervous. You have all this other stuff going on. I'm so envious now because my goddaughter is an actress mm-hmm. and she doesn't ever go anywhere. She just films her, her audition. You yeah. Know, she, it and she doesn't have to go in front of those people which was such a um obstacle to being i mean i would be shaking half the time and then as i grew up i had all this 
emotional memory of being a kid trying to get a job and, and not getting a job. And there was so many complex emotions involved in me going on auditions that I just wanted a job. So the greatest time for me was when I was on a soap opera. Because yeah. I did three or four shows a week. I got really good at memorizing. And we did not have teleprompters on, on our show. Yeah. And, um, and it was like I had a place. I, I really felt, I guess for me, it really was in search of a family. Because I, I was raised, you know, my mom was raised like my sister. My grandmother was, I called her mom. My dad, I saw every couple months. I never lived with my father. Mm -hmm. And um, so there was always this feeling of me wanting to belong someplace and not having to prove myself to be there. So being on a soap opera was my dream. Yeah. I wasn't famous. I didn't have a lot of scrutiny. I was just able to do my work and the thing that I like to do best. And um, I think that's a different thing than most people probably that are actors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And was that, was that show that was Peyton Place, right? Hmm. No, Peyton Place. No, no. That was another soap opera. I, was was on I, love, I love that one. And, um, uh, and I loved Mia more than anything. Yeah. Mia, Mia had the biggest effect on my life. And um, uh, I was with her a year, or it's actually, I think it's been two years now, or was it last year? It may have been just last year. I don't know. She was honored by the L women. Um, I don't know what it's exact, the proper, you know, title of it, but I went to dinner and saw her for the first time in a long time and sat with her. And um, she, I've, I've just told her a million times and I've spoken to her since, like, you don't realize how much she, she affected me so much um, when I was doing Peyton Place. She would take me for weekends and it was when she was dating Frank Sinatra before they got married. I mean, later when they got married, I would go over there too, but it was kind of like a secret and she was living at his house, but he wasn't there, but I would spend the weekends. And um, she always called him Charlie Brown. She didn't call him Frank. And um, she is a magical, beautiful woman. She is one of the most, kind people I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. And she would say things to me like, you're magic and you just need to know your magic. And things that nobody said to me. And she would tell me stories about fairies of when she was in Ireland as a kid. And um, I think that she affected me so much in wanting to reach higher in life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm so grateful to her for her influence in my life because I really, I don't know, I, I, I still have that thing of wanting to reach higher. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. That's great that that's stuck with you. Oh, beyond. I mean, it's like part of my, my structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well then, and then didn't you, you moved to Australia in the late sixties, right? 
Yeah, I, my mom married Tommy Leonetti. And um, when I was about nine years old, I came to Tommy. This was before we went to Australia. I came to Tommy and I said, I wrote this song. And I had used my flutophone, you know, the flute or recorder or whatever. Yeah. And I'd written this song. I'd written the poem, the lyrics. And he said, I like that. I really like it. So let's go um, to Bob Russell, who was a friend of his. He wrote, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Mm-hmm. And um, he tuned up my lyrics, the nine-year-old lyrics. And, um, and then we recorded the song. And it became a number one hit in Australia. Yeah. And I mean, I can't sing. I'm not musical. I happened to write a song when I was really young that did really well. It's just so bizarre. My whole family, my kids, my husband, they're so musical. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. But sometimes when they get cocky, I say, but who wrote a hit song in this family? <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was Let's Take a Walk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, it's very It's very simple and sweet and everything. But for some reason, in Australia, it really caught on. And they offered my stepdad his own TV show, which was like the Johnny Carson. You know, it was like the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And I would do that show a lot. But I was singing. That's how people thought of me there. So I did another record. And we would do, you know, like um, Tommy did a special, the Tommy Leonetti special. Mm-hmm. And Tommy and I sang the song. I mean, at that point, I was like 13. Right. So it wasn't quite as adorable. Um, <laughs> but we had like the whole Royal Australian Navy band behind us with, you know, playing the music and at the Taronga Park Zoo, which is in Sydney, and walking through the zoo, it was this whole thing. I have it somewhere too. I have all of the reel to reels. I oh my god! And I should try and get them converted because it's it's really sweet. I mean, to have that yeah, you know, like the whole entire world. It was their theme song, the Royal Australian Navy wow. Navy song for. I don't know what their theme song is now, but it was Let's Take a Walk. Yeah. And wow, that's crazy. When, when did you move back to the States? And were you working the whole time? Were you like acting while this was going on? Or did you kind of pause that? I paused it for the first time in my life. I mean, I remember my mom going to Australia and the song was a big success there. But I had a TV show, a pilot that I was uh, under, con- I couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. And um, so my mom and stepdad went. It would have been the. It was really the first time I'd lived alone with my mom. I'd always lived with my grandmother, and my mom was in the house. <clears throat> she had an apartment downstairs. Um, they, I mean, we had a house with an apartment downstairs. And then when she married Tommy, they moved to Hollywood, and I would go spend weekends and stuff. But I basically lived with my grandmother, so it was a really weird time. I left my grandmother once the show wasn't picked up. It was something with Diane Carroll. Mm-hmm. It was a show. Uh, it was like a sitcom or something. We did the pilot and it did not get picked up. So mm-hmm. then I went to Australia and I didn't work. And, you know, work at as a 12 or 13 year old, 11 year old, whatever, it got harder because I started to look older. I grew and... Um, they could always get 
you know, somebody that was 18 to, you know, so I really didn't work a lot during those years, except Brady Bunch or whatever, when I came back. But when I was in Australia, I went to a Church of England school for girls that was really intense and hard. And, um, and I would do my dad's show. But basically, I had like this great, fun life that um, I made incredible friends, that lifelong friends that I'm still friends with. And um, it was a it was a really nice pause for me. Yeah. And then when I came back, I worked still. I guess I I don't know. I did a couple of different things, but it wasn't the same as when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, because I was starting to look older. Right. And it wasn't an age group that worked a lot then yeah well it's, that's like a transition phase of like you're not a kid anymore but you're not quite an adult so where you know where do you fit in right and then so then i basically you know i was like head cheerleader i did all that stuff when i came back here mm-hmm. um and then um and then i went to so i always felt weird i lived in glendale that's where i went to glendale high mm-hmm. and glendale they say, or they used to say, that the best way to get there is to keep turning right. And um, I'm from this really unconventional family. Nobody in my house had the same last name. Everybody had different names. Um, my grandmother, I called mom. My mom, I called mommy. Um, my, you know, my mom's last name was, her name was Cindy Robbins as an actor. And, um, but our family name is Robichaux. They're Cajun. Cajun French. And um, it was just, I, I never fit in. <clears throat> I never, ever fit in to the whole Glendale thing. Like, I don't really have any friends anymore from that time in my life. And I went to Beverly High for the last year of high school. And I was like, oh my God, these are my people. These are people that are so unconventional, so liberal. They're not, you know, everybody had exactly all the same things that I wasn't, I didn't stick out. You know, everybody had something. I mean, I was in, Jamie Lee Curtis was at school, um, Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. um, uh, Gina, Gina Martin, who was Dean Martin's daughter. Um, uh, oh my God, it, it was it was so much fun to walk into that school plus people were jewish like not white you know like protestant (laughs) nobody was jewish nobody was of color and i had come back from australia where all my friends were jewish at this um church of england school for girls nobody was was church of england nobody was protestant everybody was that i became friends with they were all jewish and so when I went to Beverly, I was like, oh my God, these are the kind of people that I want to be around. And so my lifelong friends really came from that one year at Beverly High in my senior year. And I wasn't working at all because yeah. I was 18. And then in January, I turned 18 and I never stopped working. Yeah. You know, like I, I had two TV shows immediately. I was on Lucas Tanner. Um, and then I got Richmond Poor Man, and then I had my own Saturday morning TV show called Westwind. I never stopped working. Yeah, it looks like you were 
super busy at that part. I mean, still yeah. it's like the, the credits just go on and on and on. And I saw, I saw BJ and the bear in there. That was one of the very first shows <laughs> I loved. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's right. BJ and the bear. I forgot that I even did. <laughs> and then there was like Sheriff Lobo. I did that right after <laughs> it was on with Claude Aikens, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that was, it was really a very sort of prolific, fun time. But like I said, I wasn't a star. I would get recognized. Stardom was so different than to being on Rich Man, Poor Man. <clears throat> you would think today it would be crazy, you know? But I remembered having come, I came out of like the Pan, Pantages Theater. I had seen something and I remember all of a sudden there was a bunch of light bulbs going off and I didn't understand what was happening. And it was like the first experience I had with a paparazzi. Mm -hmm. And it was when I was on Rich Man, Poor Man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, pre-internet too. It's a whole, it was a whole different world that, you know. Yeah, but really in the, in the late seventies, early eighties, there wasn't that kind of stardom, yeah. you know, it wasn't. And, it, it was my first experience was, was that. And I was like, wow, that is so crazy. Why do they need to take so many pictures? Yeah. <laughs> Why are there so many of you? Um, that was the first time that I had seen that before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it never, you know, it was a totally different thing. Never was I feeling um, like famous. I never felt. Famous. Well, that's uh, yeah. I, that's a that's a different level that I don't know if it's a good thing to get to or or not. You know, there's there's ups oh, and downs. So it's so screw, uh, skewed your yeah. reality and you people. I don't. I mean, everybody I've met that are famous, not not everyone, but a lot of people become super spoiled. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And then you kind of don't know you've been catered to so much that you want your way. I don't know. It just doesn't. Yeah. There's a lot of stories out there of, you know, which private jet do they want to use today and you know, what's in their contract. You know, there's, there's a lot of stories out there, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. But um, yeah, I'm really grateful that I didn't have to have that experience and yeah. go through it. Life's hard enough. <laughs> yeah, right. But then you worked on you worked on Roller Boogie. So what was what was that experience like? And were you more of a skater or a boogier? Okay, I wasn't either, <laughs> and I'm not a terribly coordinated person. I was not ever in like physical education at school because I was always working, mm -hmm. and um, I got the job and they, I, you know, Linda Blair is incredibly athletic and she was so good. She could go backwards. She didn't have any fear. I was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They finally had to build me a platform with wheels on it to do my close-ups, and they'd have my, my, I would move my body like I was skating. <laughs> I could not skate. I could not skate looking up. I had to look down and they were like, we got to, figure this out. How are yeah. we going to get her close-ups? So 
I would, they would be pulling me on a little like trolley thing with the camera in front of me mm -hmm. and I was supposed to be moving like I was skating. Oh it was so embarrassing. I have got so many stories like that of me just being so uncoordinated, so insecure with anything athletic. Yeah. I mean, I, I told people I could dive off of boats and stuff and I can't. And I got this TV show where it was, we, we, we were living on a boat. It was the West went to Hawaii and they finally came to the day where I had to dive off the boat and I could not do it. They had to get me a double. They were like, you said you could dive. I thought I could. <laughs> I and tried. then riding horses, riding horses. I can't ride a horse. I'm yeah. petrified. So, I always kind of fibbed about that stuff because I needed the job. Yeah. But then when the day came, I was always like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I really so freaking lame that way. <laughs> well, I mean, it worked out. That movie has got a huge cult following now. And I mean, I think it did well financially too, but. Uh... Well, my son was at American, um, what is it? Oh my God, American Rag? Not, not American Rag. What is the t-shirt company that used to be like on Main Street? Oh, uh, yeah. I can't remember the name, but I know what you're talking American about. American Apparel? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, American Apparel. He went in and he was like, Mom, a Roller Boogie was playing on a loop. <laughs> in American Apparel. And I thought, oh, that's so funny. That's funny. That, it was kind of an iconic, you know, 70s, oh, yeah, 80s yeah. movie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That well, was almost fun. What's that? That was, um, that was, it was just a really fun movie to shoot. I bet, yeah. It and looked like it. Zuma Beach. Zuma Beach was Brian Grazier's first movie. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's where I met Rosanna Arquette. Mm -hmm. And we were just, we just had such a good time. I would yeah. pick her up and drive her to work every day because she didn't drive. We became really good friends. Yeah. And I would go pick her up and take her all the way to the beach. I would drive her wherever she needed to go. Yeah. She didn't drive. Yeah, she had just moved here. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's great. She's, uh, she's another amazing, amazing actress. And she lives down the street. Oh, really? <laughs> right now? So you're still, you're still close? Yeah, we, she's lived across the street from me a couple of different times. There's been like houses for rent or whatever, and she'll, so we've, yeah, we've stayed really good friends. That's great. Yeah. Well, so about this time is when the Friday the 13th and the slasher genre is kind of exploding that post Halloween, uh, you know, emergence of that genre. Uh, how, um, how did Friday the 13th, when did that kind of come on your radar for the first time? Well, um, when I got the job, <laughs> I never saw any of the movies. But were you I was, were I was aware happy of to have a job? Were you were aware of them when they first started, you know, becoming a hit? Oh yeah, yeah. But I had never seen any of them. And to me there was like a B movie and maybe a C movie. It wasn't <laughs> like I didn't, you know, I didn't think about it, but the person that cast me in Capital, which was this was the soap opera I was on, mm -hmm. she had me in and and when I got it, I was so excited. I thought it would be really fun. I never have seen any of the shows. 
I mean, of the other of of the other movies, mm-hmm. um, and I just had a really good time. I prepared. I loved it. I loved it. It was really fun, and it was it went on forever. It was we started on the thirty first of October, mm-hmm. and we shot all the way into January. Yeah, that's a long shooting schedule. It was fantastic. I I got paid the whole time. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that um, and that shot out here in L.A., correct? Yeah, we well, we shot in we stayed in Buellton at the mm-hmm. Anderson's Split Pea Soup Place Hotel. Oh yeah, and they would drive us up to Zaka Lake, and that it was a lake that was like so perfect to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we shot in Franklin Canyon, and then we shot in Topanga at mm-hmm. my house, which was my house. <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, we, we shot just all over around here. Yeah. Yeah. It was so fun. What was the, was the, the script? The, so the first time you read the script, was that very, you know, was that different from the fi- finished product? Did it change a lot? I know there were some things that changed, but was it basically the same? You know, I think I never got the full script until I got the job. Um, you know, when I was auditioning, I went in like three and four times mm-hmm. um, to, you know, just, I, I don't even remember what scene they had me reading, but <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't remember what changed. And and it was just a very, I mean, it, it seemed like they had done the, the, there was this a formula to it. Yeah. You know? And, um, but it was such a fun, good time. I, I was in the best shape of my life. I was running every day. I felt like an athlete for the first time. And, um, you know, I'd go run. I lived in Coldwater Canyon. Mm-hmm. So I'd go down to the park, the Coldwater Canyon. I'd run down to the, to the park and do laps. And, um, and then I'd go on, on set. And I would run all day long because I was always running from something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I w- it was freezing cold and being sprayed down with water. Yeah. Wearing that man's shirt with the belt and the little booties, um, yeah. It was it. It. I was actually saying to someone the other day that I still have post-traumatic stress from the cold and being sprayed down in the middle of the night in December with water to run around. I mean, the if the shower gets cold, I will have this like, oh my god, that's right, that was. I did this a lot. It just reminds me. It was so jarring. Yeah, you're basically drenched the second half of that entire movie. So that that can't have been a pleasant experience. They were shooting it in December. Yeah. And they kind of shot in order, too. Oh, really? Interesting. So the end of the movie was really just... Like in the beginning of the movie, all the kids were there. And when we were up in um, Buellton, and then there was some that we did in Franklin Canyon, but but basically it was me and uh, Corey and Ted White, and um, it was freezing. Yeah, it was thirty degrees in that Topanga Canyon in December. Yeah, it that's insane. That's rough. It was really, really, really freezing, and. But what's funny is I never got sick. I just, I think the exercise and, and I was watching, 
I was eating lots of protein and vegetables. I wasn't eating sugar. And mm. I, I felt so good during that time. I felt really strong. I think yeah. right when we finished shooting, I got super sick. I got like the worst flu. It was like, but I kept it together the entire time. It, I think that's how it goes a lot of times that, you know, you make it through a show and then at the end of it, it all kind of catches up with you and you're kind of exhausted and, and spent or, and sick for a couple, for a week or so. And then you- yeah, No, it was really, really, yeah. it was intense, but it was so much fun. Everybody was so nice. I loved Joe Zito, the director. Yeah. Um, he was fantastic. Everybody was, the makeup people, everyone, Tom Savini, Frank Mancuso, everybody was so, so nice and professional. And it never, you know, it just always, I loved going to work. Yeah. That. Loved it. Joe, Joe Zito, you know, over the years has, has, you know, there's some controversy over, you know, his technique in working with some of the other actors, but you had a good experience with him. You didn't, you I, thought didn't he was I thought he was fantastic. He let me do my thing and it, he would give me direction if I needed it, but he was really kind and he was great. I loved him. I, I don't know whoever said that he was difficult. I mean, maybe with all the kids together and they, they were all really good friends. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe they all kind of, I don't know. I don't know what he did. Maybe he got frustrated. But, but I never really was in any scenes with them. I mean, maybe like on the road, I remember there was that one, you know, where they drive by or... Yeah. Yeah, but really and truly, I never was in anything with that group of people. And I'm friends with all of them now, yeah. but it wasn't like we were hanging out. I, I think there was, there was some, I think some of them were looking for more direction and were looking to, you know, get more out of their characters. And I don't think, you know, on, on a lot of horror movies in general and the Friday films, you know the the a lot of the focus is spent on the technical side and the makeup effects and the the gags and everything and not always with the directing the actor. So I think some oh. of them looking for more from him. And oh, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I yeah he gave me a lot, but I was in a different position than them, I guess. You yeah. Know? Well, you're yeah, like you said, you you were you were sort of separated it was you and Corey and Eric Anderson who I actually worked with a, a while ago and, and seems like a great guy uh, he's a really nice guy yeah yeah it's like the three of you guys and then the rest of everybody else in the house and it's like two kind of separate things going on it was very separate I'm still I mean I'm friends with Judy Aronson I talked mm -hmm. to her um who I'm really good friends with and I love so much is Amy Steele oh yeah yeah never seen hers but we we have gone around and signed autographs before and um when dylan you know my oldest son got married mm -hmm. in covid uh amy lives in a little town in oregon and it's where uh dylan decided to get married so amy was so sweet i was able to order everything on amazon and have it shipped to her house oh, that's <laughs> <sweet>. <laughs> she's a, an amazing person i love yeah. her son I bet, you know, in doing signings and everything, you kind of interact with uh, some of the other, the other actors through the franchise. Yeah, and Adrian King 
and Dana. Mm -hmm. We they I I've like I said I've never seen any of the movies except for mine. And but there's they're just a great group of women and we we sort of collaborated um, on a um, poster and um, we all found our best you know our, our charities and we donated. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. How did you feel about the the level of of gore in the movie? Did you feel like that was over the top? And what was it like, uh, you know, working with Tom Savini and kind of bringing his effects uh, to life? Um, well, he's just an incredible artist. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually saw him about a year and a half ago on the set of the Orville, he showed up, which, you know, my husband is one of the producers. So I hadn't seen him since we shot, but um, I, it was interesting because I am super sensitive to violence and gore. I'm not in love with it. So it was really fun to see how all of it was done. And it didn't, it, it helped me to sort of, not be so freaked out when I see stuff like that in a movie. Honestly, mm -hmm. it was nice to get the education and see how it was done. Yeah. And it didn't bother me that part. I, I, I think, you know, I never like I got cast in the movie and I had a little bit of time. It wasn't like, Oh, you with most things you get cast and you're like starting on Monday. There was a couple weeks, three weeks or something. And I had a chance that I could have seen some of the movies, but I chose not to. Mm -hmm. And I chose to just take it on as an actor of making the character real. And, you know, as, as real as I could. And I'd never done a horror film or something where I was going to have to um, really be scared. So I did some preparation of, you know, things in my life mm -hmm. and weird things happened in my life during that time. It was really a bizarre time shooting that movie. I had weird phone calls. I had somebody following me, um, a really creepy guy following me and somebody actually had to intervene. I was at, at, at actually a cold water park and some man had on like, Ray-Bans, but they were, they had the mirror lenses mm -hmm. and he stood in the middle of the track where I was running. And as I ran, he just followed me in the middle the whole time. And I got creeped out. So I ran to my car and he showed up at my car and just, he didn't say anything. He just stood there and stared at me and he followed me around and I started screaming. I've never had anything like this happen. I started screaming, like, get away. What are you doing? Who are you? Why are you? Say something. And he wouldn't say anything. And um, a man actually intervened and said, move away from her and let her go. And I, that, I was so unsettled by that. And it yeah. was right in the middle of filming this stuff at night and, you know, living by myself. Yeah. It was really, really creepy. And I lived in this guest house that was surrounded by, I had, I had been married and I left my husband and we weren't divorced yet. 
And so I was used to, I had been married my entire life, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I got married at 21. And um, I think I was 26 when I shot, um, when I was shooting that. And, but I was by myself and there were so many days and nights that I was petrified living in this little cottage after that guy did that. You know, it, it was, I never went back to the park to run. Yeah. Wow. And, and you never saw that person again? No, he must, maybe he was like um, one of those serial murderers that were going around at that time. I don't know, but it was really the most scary thing that's ever happened to me. And the vibe from this guy was so crazy. And I almost thought I was like, is someone like, you know, punking me? Is that because it was so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really scary. Wow. Did you kind of channel any of that like in your performance? Um probably not because I think that's a little too close. It was a too yeah. too close. Too close. I, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't uh I had a lot of um things I could work with that I didn't need to use that guy. Mm. But that that guy really scared me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, thank God nothing, uh, nothing happened there. Yeah. So the, uh, there's a story about uh, you and Eric Anderson taking Corey Feldman around trick or treating. Uh, is that, is that true? Did that actually happen? It did. It actually happened. And as I was a child actor, I recognized his relationship to his grandfather, I think was on the set with him. And I just related so much to, you know, what he was going through and talked to him about it and um, wanted him, they weren't, no one was taking him trick or treating. Mm -hmm. It was like, get your costume on, we're going out. Yeah. And we went into that creepy little town. <laughs> but at the time it wasn't really creepy, I don't yeah. mean that. It was, it was very small though. And, it was really fun. We had a great time. And that was the first day of shooting. We had shot that day and, and then I took him out and it was really fun. I mean, he's very sweet, sweet guy. Mm -hmm. And, but definitely, you know, he, he was one of those child stars, you know, that most of, I, I think the people like Billy Moomy, I don't know if you know who Billy Moomy is. Yeah. Okay, Billy Moomy's been a lifelong friend because when I was at um when I was on Peyton Place, we were all sh sort of shooting around the same time and there was a schoolhouse that we would go to on the off days that we weren't shooting. So I got to know Billy. Um I'm trying to I wonder Oh, and I know it, there was Darby Hinton who was shooting Daniel Boone. Yes. And um, those were the people that were in the schoolhouse. It was Shirley Temple's schoolhouse, which is now the writer's building at Fox. Oh, yeah. It's like an old, Jason's office on the Orville was literally right across from it. I'd be like, that's where I went to school every day for like two years, you know? Small world. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, he, Billy Moomy had a very strong parental, like his parents were married and, it, it, he's ended up being, you know, he didn't go through all that 
where he could have, you know. Right. Corey's so sweet. And I saw him at the Family Guy office uh, a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And you have to sign in. And um, I saw his name right above mine. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to go give him a hug. Yeah. It was the first time. But I've st- since seen him a couple more times. And we've spoken. And he's just a, he's a very sweet, sweet guy. There's... There's, there's a lot of damage that can happen to, you know, child stars. Yeah, I think we, we kind of see the opposite from your, your experience and his experience seem almost like polar opposites that, that you know, a lot of the negative side and, and what the bad things that can happen to a child star kind of all, all happen to him. Yeah. Well, you know, I did have a strong family in, in, even though it was unconventional. I mean, we had rules. We were not allowed to lie. My family's from the South and we were taught manners. And, you know, my, my grandmother ruled with a iron fist. (laughs) She was really, you know, there was no room for shenanigans. Yeah. Was uh so when you guys filmed that skinny dip scene, what, Corey wasn't on set for that, right? I wasn't in the skinny dip scene. Oh, I thought you guys you well in the in the movie you're like watching from the shore. You and Corey kind of come come upon them and they're all skinny dipping, but maybe you guys didn't film that together at all. No, we didn't. No. Yeah. Okay. We, we never saw. Oh, that's right. Don't I turn him around or something? Yeah, you turn him around. Yeah. But, yeah. No, we never. I, I was like when, yeah, you had mentioned that. And I was like, I, I've got to make sure John knows I wasn't in that scheme. <laughs> That's what I was curious about. If he was, you know, if they were shielding him from the nudity from the rest of the, you know, the, the cast. So. No, there was nobody that was, that was, no, there was yeah. nobody there. They had done that probably even a different day, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So you guys, so you guys filmed, you know, a lot of your stuff separately, but did you, did you get, you got to spend time with them, you were saying, right? With the rest of the yeah. camp when you became friends? Yeah. I've known Peter Barton forever um, and Judy and I became friends. I, I mean, Chris, Crispin Glover, I just found him to be fascinating because he yeah. was so different. And I mean, who he is in the you know public persona is exactly who he is you know what i mean he's, yeah that's that's the personality <laughs> he's he's really interesting i think he's kind of a genius yeah um and uh eric always so kind eric's really really smart very intellectual mm-hmm. we had a, a great time together um and barbara howard i didn't get to know really well at all lawrence monison sweetest guy everybody was so nice there was never any weird anything it was to me i i only i didn't hang out with them you have to remember i had been married i had just left my husband i was like in a different you know to me i'm like oh you youngins all going out and having a good time i am not interested at all so i never did anything with them yeah they all stuck together though and they were all really good friends, but I, I didn't, I, I didn't, you know, I was like, I felt like an old married person. <laughs> what about, uh, did you, so did you end up doing some of your own stunts in the movie? Um, 
Not really. I mean, I did do, I was very, very physical and yes, yeah, certainly wielding that hat, that machete and stuff that took some work getting that down. Yeah. But I mean, jumping out of the window, that wasn't me. I just ran in and laid down in, in the mud <laughs> as soon as she jumped. <laughs> and we'll bring Kimberly. Okay. Yeah, and Kimberly quick. And she, she landed, I remember, really funny where like her underwear were showing. And I yeah. was like, do we really duplicate the whole thing? <laughs> I was very uncomfortable about that. But um, yeah, I, 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 um, there, I mean, there was so much running and it was very physical mm -hmm. and um but i remember seeing the movie in the theater the first night that it was released i think it was on a friday the 13th in april i'm sure yes yeah and i remember standing in the back of the theater with like my mom and we all went to go see it and when the scene when i go down the stairs mm -hmm. um yelling at the screen like that bitch is so dumb <laughs> and I was like they told me to do it I had to do it I wouldn't do it <laughs> yeah they, they're not known for making the wisest choices <laughs> there's always somebody that's you know that something's gonna happen when yeah. that, you do that but I remember thinking oh my god this is so interactive this movie yeah. people were yelling at the screen and it was a whole other experience of seeing a movie than I'd ever had. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, it's really fun. What did, um, did you ever end up putting the hockey mask on? No, no, didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. It was a prop. You don't yeah. touch props. I'm like such a professional. Well, I think at this time, too, it had only been in one of the other films. So I think the, the lore of the mask hadn't really fully grown yet. It's so creepy, though, right? Yeah. Um, and then there was an alternate ending, too. Did you, uh, do you remember filming that? And did you have a preference of to which ending you, you preferred? Oh, you mean the ending where, like, my, I find my mom? Yeah. I don't remember the... It, oh, yeah. I guess they were... They were really thinking this was going to be the last one. Yeah. And um, so I don't remember. I, I mean, I, I love the scene that I did with my mom. Where she's in the tub. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that, I, I, that was really fun to do and very emotional. And, um, but they didn't use it. Yeah, it's on the it's on the Blu-rays now, so you can you can check it out there. But uh, it looked it looked like a different level of creepy. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I, I I haven't seen it. I should see it. Somebody was asking me to um, for the I guess that was some sort of anniversary. I did an interview for it, mm -hmm. and um, they wanted me to say the words that I was saying in the because they lost the sound. I guess. Yes. Yeah. It's only, it's only the visual. And I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> That's like a whole area of emotion you'd have to get into. In yeah, of course. I couldn't remember what my lines were and um, they were wanting me to, you know, like fill it in and I yeah. can't do that. 
So did you, you know, going into this, this was the plan was, was like you said, for this to be the end of the franchise. Did that, did that line kind of, was that held through the making of the movie or did, when did, cause I, I, that obviously changed. Did that change while you were in production or was that afterwards? It was after, I think. I mean, they really thought the final chapter, it was the end. Yeah. And that, the grosses on the, on the, on my movie were really, I, I think it was like incredible for yeah. that time and everything. Um, and it was sold out. It was, the theaters were so crowded. And um, I think they, you know, just like, Everybody else, when they have a hit, they want to do it again. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, how many more times do they do it? Like six or seven more yeah, times? Yeah, I mean, so many. And it, it just kept going and going. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, of course, a studio, when, when a movie's a hit like that, they're just, no matter what they say, they're going to want to keep, keep going to the well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I never... Um, <laughs> my son is upstairs. <laughs> 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 These, we have wood floors, you know, you can hear them throughout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, we were, this was it. That yeah. this was going to be it. And I think Frank Mancuso wanted to go off and do something else, you know? Mm -hmm. He wanted to um, have, an, you know, be known for something else. Right. But I think it's really seductive when you have something um that does so well you know yeah absolutely and and uh it's interesting how it evolved and and you know in the next couple of movies they they did bring the tommy jarvis character back and uh different actors playing him in each film but uh, do you know why they never brought trish back they never they never even go back to trish after after your film and was, was... some talk about it but this is the honest to god truth um I had the biggest crush on Frank Mancuso <laughs> and he was not married, but I, I never dated him or anything, mm -hmm. but uh, he got married and I think it was probably uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was uncomfortable. Everybody knew, uh, you know, that, you know um, everybody knew. And I think it was just, uh, I really honestly think that's probably what it was. It was just mm -hmm. like, oh, it's too weird. It's too weird for her to come back because there was this, I mean, like I said, nothing ever happened, right. but it was still a lot of, I mean, everybody knew how, you know, we were both like sort of flirty, flirty. It, it just it probably was just too uncomfortable. And he married a woman who he later divorced, who has become one of my best friends, which is so weird. She, she lives like four blocks from me. Oh my God. <laughs> but I think that's probably why. I think it yeah. was just too uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it was too uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, no, that, yeah that's understandable. If they- And that had never happened. That had never happened to me. Like I never dated anybody or had a crush on anybody really that I worked with. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I probably didn't handle it as well as I should have. I was young and I was just getting divorced. I'd been married for, you know, what seemed like forever. Mm -hmm. So um, I was a little bit delicate emotionally. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, you know, honestly, I think that is the reason. 
I think it was just too uncomfortable. Yeah. So if they, you know, in the, the world of the films, Trish and Tommy are both still alive. If they ever did another film, they brought, you know, Trish back, would you, would you ever consider playing her again? Sure. What would be like old people, like, get away from here. <laughs> He's coming for you, Tommy. <laughs> I don't know how they, how they could make that happen. I certainly couldn't. I mean, I guess if I had enough time, I could get in really good shape and be running like that again. Well, you never know. They, you know, it's very, uh, it's the very in thing to do now is to relaunch these franchises and come back to, you know, bring the characters that we loved back. So you never know. Uh, yeah, that would be, that would be fun. Um, it would be definitely bizarre for me, but it would be fun. And, um, yeah, I, that would be so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> be doing that again. It was the first movie in the franchise too, where there's two survivors. So that's a, that's yeah. A yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know uh, what's funny is that, okay. So my stepfather, Tommy had died right before I shot this movie. Mm -hmm. And Tommy was my brother, right? Right. So it was, such an emotional experience for me saying the word Tommy, you know, I, I thought of my stepfather and I was really brokenhearted when he died. Wow. There was so much emotional recall, <laughs> you know, I, I've never thought of that until just now, actually, that how weird it was to have that name that wasn't a name that I said every day, you know, that all of a sudden I was saying, uh, the word Tommy, you know, the name Tommy, yeah. and he had just died. So I think I was, I was in a weird, like, I mean, I wasn't crazy and I wasn't a diva and I wasn't uh, emotionally, you know, I, 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 I was just personally, it was a super hard time getting divorced. My stepfather died. Um, it was a very emotional time. And I would say shooting that movie was really cathartic for me. Yeah. It was empowering. I think my character was, she wasn't a victim. She fought. And, you know, that was different than the way that, uh, you know, I mean, I finally stopped working because I was like, I cannot play another rape victim. I can't play another victim of something. Um, as I, as I got older and kept working, mm -hmm. um, it just seemed like everything was some sort of victim. And it was really cathartic to be winning, you know, in that area yeah. and during that time for so long, it was really, it was really nice. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think it's, special that that you get to be a survivor and that there is some kind of you know i think it means something especially back then it was so um you know and then the, the horror friend the horror genre kind of went in such a different direction through the late 80s and just got more violent and uh, you know I, i'm 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 a fan of a lot of the you know like the friday films and the nightmares and the halloweens but some of the other stuff i'm just uh, not for me my son loves horror films yeah. but but not um, but not the really gory sort of horror porn kind of. Right, right. 
My, um, my husband did a really, he produced a really good movie called Cabin in the Woods. Mm. And that was, I, I loved that movie. Yeah, that's it brilliant. So, it was so smart. And something yeah. we probably all thought about, like, do you have to pay for something in order to have your, it, it, it tapped into a deep sort of sense of that magical thinking. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, it's true. <laughs> you have to this monster so that the other people stay safe. Yeah, it was a brilliant, a brilliant spin on it. A really, a great film. And uh, next time we do this, we'll have to have him. We'll we'll have you guys together. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> Jason's really, really good at this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I just say anything that comes into my mind. I hope I haven't said anything that I'm going to be regretful of. No, you're all good. Um, so, you know, the, the Friday franchise has a, has a very passionate and loyal fan following. Do you have any uh, particular experiences dealing with fans or, or a favorite fan memory? I, these are the nicest people. And I thought, I thought that they would be weird, you know, like horror fans. Mm-hmm. They happen to be the sweetest most interesting, fun people. I have had the best time. One guy um, has become a really good friend. And he, I met him at one of the signings and he's just, he's like smart, he's funny. He's, a, he's ended up being such a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He and his wife, I talk to them all the time. And we check in with each other. And um, yeah, there, when I first, I, it was like 2005, um, my son was about nine years old and they asked me to go sign autographs. And I, Aaron Gray, who did one of the Friday the 13th and mm-hmm. she was in Buck Rogers. Yep. I was in Buck Rogers and I knew her from then. And, um, she called me and she said, Kim, there's like a resurgence of Friday the 13th. They really want you to come oh, sign yeah. autographs. And I was like, what? Why? I don't, I, I'm like, this is such a different period in my life. And she said, really, you should go. You should meet these people. You won't believe how nice they are. And so I went and I took Miles with me. And I think that was the beginning. He is such a horror fan. Mm-hmm. And he would go off. I, and I remember telling him, like, these might be really weird people. You stay next to me the whole time while I was signing autographs, he ended up not staying next to me. He would run off and the guys that made the masks and they were selling them in the convention, he became friends with, they gave him a mask. Um, uh, he had like one of the best times of his life. Yeah. And it was, it, it was really uh, eye-opening for me to see. And I met some of the girls like Adrian King and I met some of them at that and I was like, you guys, this is so fun. This yeah. is a great experience. Um, and I haven't, I've done a lot of them. I've done like, I think three now. Um, but it's, it was really, really fun. Really fun. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's uh, yeah, it's an amazing franchise and how it's kind of uh, evolved through the years and, and what its legacy is, is now. I mean, there's, you know, there's video games and that like completely recreate the films and there's a lot of fan films that are out there. And I, I think the whole franchise is stuck in a lawsuit right now. So um, there's. Oh, really? Oh, you know, because fans have been making. 
No, yeah. there's there's a lawsuit between Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller, who's you know just really involved with the first movie, but it's it's who's claiming the rights to the Jason character. So until that, it's been going for years, and until that's resolved, they they can't make any more films or, or anything. It's Sean, Sean Cunningham's deal. I don't understand. That's funny. He came up with the whole character, didn't he? Well, yeah. I think the issue is that the character was written in the first movie, but not the version of Jason that, you know, became the iconic character. So that's the point of argument is that Victor Miller technically wrote the Jason character, but not the version that, that uh, existed. Oh, so, oh that sounds complicated. It's complicated. And I think that sounds very complicated. Actually, it sounds like Victor Miller actually won the first round and now there's a countersuit. So it's, uh, it's ongoing. But uh, oh, after, you know, after, the, uh, after this film, you kept on going. You did a ton of projects throughout the 80s and into the early 90s. You worked on Dynasty. You worked on The Big Blue, Killing Zoe, and Independence Day. Do you have any, any particular memories that stand out? Mm, I loved Le Grand Bleu um, and working with uh, Luc Besson. Mm -hmm. It was, he's... He was incredibly lovely and a real artist. And uh, I loved being directed by him. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. And I know when the, 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 um, the two versions, I mean, the French version is so much better than the American version. They changed even that amazing Eric Serra music and, um, was it Jerry Weintraub that bought it or whatever and changed yeah. it? And it really was the French version is great. And I had such a better part in the French version than in the American one. But um, it was a beautiful set to be on. And I remember just like, oh my God, the French, they just know how to live, you know? Yeah. And they have so much respect for the creative process and it, being on a set that was French was so different than being on an American set. Yeah, I bet. There yeah. was, everything took a lot longer. Uh, there were, you know, uh, it was really interesting being directed by him. I remember him, you know, like a director usually will give you direction and give you a reason why they're saying it, why they, they want you to do something, but he, but Luke was like, I need you to, to count to 10 in between each thing that you say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what? what? Usually somebody will give you like a subtextual thing that you're going to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you, but it was like, just count to 10 between each one. And when I saw it on the screen, I was like, oh, that really worked. He, he basically was trying to, you know, have me, ask Rosanna questions, but like not be that interested. Yeah. You know, like I'm doing something else while, so if that, that part of working with somebody like Luke it was amazing. I mean, it was a real fun experience. That's, that's great. And, and for anybody listening who hasn't seen the film, definitely check it out and, and check out the original version. That's, that's definitely the version to see for sure. Yeah. But, it's better. Um, yeah, I, 
dynasty was dynasty, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, and it was really funny because I got that part and I'd gone to the dentist and said, you know, my mom thinks that my teeth are looking a little yellow. Can you make them whiter? Is before people were whitening. And he ended up putting like enamel on my teeth and it looked good in person, but I shot Dynasty right like the next week. Mm -hmm. And I looked like I had, somebody had pushed chiclets into my like mouth and they were neon, they were so white. And I don't have a huge mouth, but I have, I have big teeth. They were made bigger. <clears throat> and the dentist called me after the first show aired and he goes, you need to come in here. And I was like, no kidding. Um, I couldn't even shut my mouth. My teeth had so much bonding on them. <laughs> so I think I didn't get asked back because they were like, that girl and her teeth, <laughs> they were like horses. <laughs> no, I, I only did, I think four episodes, yeah. but such a bummer. I did that to my teeth. Oh my God. Oh. But I love that my dentist called me and was like, get back. We're taking that stuff off. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and then it looks like, you know, you, uh, you know, you raised a family and, and, uh, you know, you're, you're continuing to work on things, but what are you up to now? Um, you know, I went back to college mm -hmm. and almost done with my degree, um, in psychology. And, uh, it's really a big compliment that I keep getting asked to design people's homes. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that. And um, we have, you know, like a rental property with my sister and brother-in-law that we did together too. And we redid it. So I'm working just creatively, you know, I love, I love um, doing that. I don't know how long I'm going to do this for because it's not, it's fun to do, but it's not like super fulfilling. I love making a home for someone. Um, but I, and I'm on my like fourth one right now. <laughs> I just started yesterday on another home for somebody that my husband um, knows. And um, I, I'm just doing that sort of for fun and um, never bill the right amount of hours i always work many more than i ever bill for <laughs> yeah i'm sure but um i and we just read it yeah it's really hard to like bill for thinking time yeah oh yeah <laughs> creative time yeah I'm constantly looking at new styles and products and i'm you know but um yeah i i don't i i'm just having a time i will do voiceovers a lot mm -hmm. Um, I just, you know, um, did a couple of things. Um, I don't know. I'm really feel really fulfilled. I think I am a worker bee though. I love working. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I'm not working, it's not so good for my head, Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Or, or yeah. Or in school, you know, I've been in school my husband produced the Ted movies, you know, Ted and Ted too. Yep. So when we were in Boston, I dropped my old, my youngest son off at Wisconsin college. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was crazy. The idea that I was 
you know, it's just Jason and my husband's name is Jason, which is really funny too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I dropped my son off at college and I thought, okay, I never had a chance to finish. I went to UCLA for a year and I, you know, had too much work, so I couldn't do it. <clears throat> and I always had on my like SAT, you know, when they ask you what you're going to, what you really want to do, I wanted a PhD in psychology. So I, I just will keep doing that. It's going to take me a long time, but it's so good for my brain to be learning how to write papers and, um, you know, doing research and stuff. It's been really uh, such a good thing for my confidence, you know? That's great. Yeah, everything in my life was always about the way I looked and, you know, you had to look pretty and getting jobs that way. It's really nice to, to use my brain. It's taken a lot of discipline, though. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. You've got a, an incredible story there. And, and I just want to thank you very much for, uh, for taking the time to sit down and, and uh, talk about your career and about uh, the final chapter. and. And I, I would love to have you back again someday with maybe with the rest of our team. But uh, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Thank you, John. It's been really fun. And yeah, I would do it with Jason. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be, <laughs> I think we'll have a good time there. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. And uh, folks, stay tuned for our Friday the 13th, the final chapter episode. <laughs>